Good stuff. Well, welcome to Light Church. If this is your first time or you're visiting, it's really good to see you. Um, it is it is a miracle we all made it here today. The roads are very, very icy, so um, I'm glad that you braved through the ice, but it's good to see you. So, do we have any people in the room who really like a good plan? Okay, that's pretty even. <laughs> we got some people lifting up arms there. there. <laughs> I love a good plan. Like, I feel like there are two, two different types of people. There's people that really enjoy plans, and uh, there's like obviously a, there's a scale within the two different types of people. I mean, I like a plan, but I like a plan because I really value efficiency. Right? I really like plans because if you have a plan, it means you make the most of whatever it is you're doing. So especially like, you know, when you're out for the day, I like to have a plan because I know if we want to if we want to achieve some stuff today, we got to have a plan. We got to know where we're going and we'll we'll have a good day. Uh, some people are on the other end of the scale where uh, of the planning people that will get nervous as soon as a plan starts to change. Or if we're not sticking to the plan, there's a little bit of anxiety that comes up in you and it's like, what about the plan? But what, what about the plan? We have a plan. And then the, the other group of people, the very spontaneous people, that almost see plans as the enemy. So like to have a plan is a complete, like it is an offense to our freedom to have a plan. To, to have a plan in life is, is to say, well, what about my options? I know, I mean, Holly, Holly's not a planner and I am a planner. Everyone's a planner to a point. I'm saying like, you know, we lean one way or the other, but Holly is not a planner and I'm a planner. And Holly will be more spontaneous and she'll say, but what about the things we could do? And I'll say things like, but we made a plan. Like, well, the thing is, you only really see this come to light when you're on holiday. Hands up if you have a holiday plan when you go on holiday. Okay, a couple of people in the room. I've seen some hardcore holiday plans, like itineraries, like daily. Pretty much every hour accounted for. I definitely wouldn't be on that level. But some people really, really love a good plan. And I'm, I'm on holiday. I'm a little bit more laid back. I like to see where the day goes. I will be asking, oh, what do you want to do? What are we thinking? What do we want to do later on? What about 7 p.m.? So I kind of make the plan as I go. And the thing is, whether you are a planner, whether you're not a planner, every single one of us will make plans in our lives. It might be the sort of career that we think uh, that, that God has placed on us. So it might be something that we want to do in our life. It might be just a simple thing of what is, what is it we're going to do for lunch today? We all make plans. And you know that feeling you have when the plan seems to be derailing. I know so many times I've gone to a few football matches and this has happened. The last two football matches I've been to got cancelled on the day, like whilst I was at the football match. And it's like the plan was unfolding, get there, the weather changed, game got cancelled and the feeling, it's like an empty feeling of like, oh, you know that feeling? It's like disappointment and frustration. The plan is not going according to plan. Okay, I, I like plans. Holly's like, no, I'm not bothered. It was fun. But that feeling of, ah, this isn't really going to plan. Maybe on a little bit more of a sort of bigger level in our lives, some of you might have had plans in your lives, who it is you might have married or what it is you might do in your life or some things that you really wanted to happen. And those things might not have gone according to plan. And you have that same feeling, that same sense of like, ah, Things aren't really turning out as I expected in my life. 
Now, I believe whoever you are, whatever your story is, wherever you come from, whatever you look like, whatever your name is, God has a plan for your life. I believe that when we look at Scripture, it is clear that God is a God with a plan, and He has a plan for every single one of us. He has placed within us future and purpose and has a plan for our lives. I firmly believe that about every single one of us. Now, here's the thing about God's plan. Over the 2,000 years or so of the church, this has been something that the church has always wrestled with. And over the past 100 years more specifically, people viewed God's plan almost like a tightrope for their life. So that God's plan was this linear A, B, C, D type thing that it was like every single step. And you could miss God's plan in that sense. And it was this like really tight and it almost bred fear in people. What if I miss God's plan for my life? What if I don't get in on God's plan for my life? What happens if? And it almost breeds this sense of like, ah, well, it could have been. And we had this view of this, this really linear. Now, if I think to synthesize a bit of scripture for a second, I think if we look at scripture beginning to end, and we pull together what God's plan is, I would suggest that God's plan, according to Scripture, is not necessarily what we do, but who it is He has made us to be. So God's plan for our life surfaces itself in the person that God has made you to be. And the good news is that God can use every situation that you go through, any situation that you go through, to shape you and mold you into who he's made you to be. So, so often when life gets a little bit crazy and we can start to feel that fear of things aren't going according to the plan, what if I miss out on God's plan? The cool thing is if God's plan is the person that he has made us to be, and to make a distinction, you're like, well, what about the things he's asked me to do? The scripture wouldn't use this word specifically, but the the word calling, it'd be like an assignment or a thing that God has given you to do but that flows out of what? Who you are, your purpose, the plan that God has for you. And God knows the beginning from the end. So in a sense, that tightrope thing, he knows the, the route that you will take, okay? Because he's all-knowing. He knows the beginning from the end. But the thing is, in our life, if who we are is going to inform what we do, I think this is exciting. Because if the plan that God has for my life is who he's made me to be, That gives me a little bit of hope in certain situations that seem upside down. Don't know if you've ever found yourself asking God, God, have you forgotten about me? I thought you'd given me something here. I thought you had a plan for my life, but it just doesn't seem to be shaping up as we expected. I know I've felt like that in my life where I look out and think, surely this isn't, surely this thing is not what God would have wanted. Surely this isn't. God's plan for my life. Has the plan been ruined? Has God forgotten about us? Have I I missed it? Am I ever going to be able to get back to that? Like, what's going to happen? I know some of those fears are things that we will all wrestle with. And much of life is really spent trying to figure out what God has given us to do and who God has made us to be in that continual walk with Jesus as he shapes us. The thing is, the Christmas story... I would argue is the most important sort of human developmental historical event ever to happen. It split apart history. It altered the course of eternity in that sense. 
it gave us an opportunity to step into a different sense of our humanity. Like the Christmas story is one of the most, if not the most profound story that humanity has ever, ever, ever heard. And God chose this couple, Mary and Joseph, to play a vital, intricate part of his plan. Okay, so I believe God has a plan for every single one of us. It's the person that he has made you to be. God had a plan for Mary and Joseph. But he also had this thing that he wanted them to be part of. He included them in his plan. Yeah, if you look at the Christmas story, is the Christmas story really how you would expect God's plan to unfold? If you look at the story of Mary and Joseph and you think they were used as vital tools or instruments or parts or people of the most important story that ever unfolded in human history. It is a completely profound anthropological event that will never ever be replicated again. And Mary and Joseph are used as intricate parts of that plan. And yet, was it how they expected it to be? It couldn't have been further from it. So I believe if you and I want to be people that understand how we can stay true to the purposes and the callings that God has given you and I. Like I said, every single one of us has them. If we want to be people that know how to stay faithful to God, to live out the purposes and plans that He has on our life in the midst of the unforeseen, in the midst of the upside down, in the midst of the, oh, I really didn't expect this to happen, in the midst of, wow, life is really hard right now, in the midst of, I don't know if I'm going to make this. If we want to be people can be who God has made us to be. We have a few things to learn from the story of Joseph. So last week we looked at Mary and Rach brought an amazing message. Will you carry what God has given you to carry? And I want to look today at the story of Joseph. So we're going to look at Matthew chapter 1. We're going to read from 18 through to 25. We're going to look at a few things that Joseph does, a few ways that God speaks to Joseph, interacts with Joseph. That I think we can learn a lot. Sound all right? Good. Okay, so Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 to 25 says this. Now, the birth of Jesus took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save people from their sins." Verse 22 says, All this took place to fulfill what the Lord has spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but he knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. So I don't know about you, but I want to be a person that can still stand and stay true to the purposes of God on my life when things turn upside down. Because how many of us know that life will turn itself upside down and the most unforeseen, unimaginable things will happen to us in a second? And you will find yourself asking that same question. 
in that same moment that Joseph finds himself in, like, God, uh, where are you? Is this the plan that you have for my life? So a little bit of context. In uh, this passage here, we see this angel appearing to Joseph. Now, this is not a typical birth story in the sense of the Gospels because it doesn't tell you about the birth. It literally said the birth of Jesus happened like this. Full stop. That's, that's pretty much all it says. And then it says they had a kid and he did what he said. And it doesn't go into detail about it. If you want to read that, go to the book of Luke. book of Luke will walk us through the whole story of Jesus' birth. But in this passage, we see the angel appearing to Joseph. This happens after the angel appears to Mary and tells Mary that you are going to have a child. Obviously, it's a crazy moment for Mary. And this happens after. This is like the confirmation for Joseph. And this is kind of like following the Christmas story from this perspective of this guy, Joseph. Now, we often know the cartoon version of Mary and Joseph, don't we? Like the tea towel, the, the, the pillow in the top, walking with the donkey. Like, and I love all that stuff. But often we can have this view that it was this really nice thing. It was this really cute moment, this really like, isn't it nice? Little donkey, away in a manger, like the beautiful, warm stable. You know what I mean? The cartoon version. That couldn't have been further from Mary and Joseph's experience. And we're going to look at Joseph here and look at the pain and this moment that flips his world upside down and his response to it. So this passage, again, for a little bit of context, sets the scene for not just Jesus' birth, but it sets the scene for Jesus' whole identity and his whole ministry. So Matthew chapter 1 speaks to us about who Jesus was, not just Mary and Joseph's son in that sense, but who used to be as the Messiah and the fact that he was the fulfillment of what God was speaking over generations. So that's really important for us to know. So there are a couple scenes in this story, three scenes specifically that we're going to look at today. So we're going to jump in at verse 18 and 19. This is the first scene that we have. It's this sort of the two characters of Mary and Joseph. So I'm going to read it real quick. It says, When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And this is what I want us to look at. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. Now in those times... This engagement process was not like an engagement today. I, especially if you are from the north of England and you have been engaged, you will have heard this joke from probably a man between the age of 45 and 60. They'll say to you, there's still time to get out now. That's what they'll say. Now, in those times, that was not the case. Okay? In those times, if you were to be engaged to someone, your parents would essentially arrange it, mostly with your consent, but they would arrange for you to be betrothed, to be engaged to someone. And once that happened, it was a legally binding thing. Okay, The only way out of this betrothal was to die, which obviously is not ideal, or to divorce. And the only way you could divorce is you know, some form of adultery. And the price that someone would pay for adultery, specifically the female, is they would be stoned to death. So if you read in Deuteronomy, this is the punishment for an adulterous woman who is due to be married. Okay, So it's not even marriage yet, but it's a legally binding contract. So I want you to imagine here, Joseph 
he is due to be married to Mary and he sees that she is pregnant and he knows that she's a virgin in the sense of he would be like, well, we haven't done anything. And he would, she would say that she was a virgin. So in his mind, she has been unfaithful. And the price that she should pay for this is ultimately to die. Now, in those times, a bit of a spoiler alert, the Romans actually removed the Jews' right to the death penalty. So you had to go through, that's why Jesus had to go through the whole Roman system to be put to death. They couldn't actually have killed her, but it would have been as close to death as possible. They would have outlawed her. They would have completely like relegated her to the fringes of society. She would have been seen as like the lowest of the low, probably ending up becoming a prostitute because of... That's what people did when they felt on the outside of things. So that was really what should have happened to Mary in the the eyes of the law. Joseph sees this and he is like, imagine the humiliation of this moment. You're due to be married. And yet she's seemingly been unfaithful. Joseph had the right to expose her and it would have brought humiliation on him, humiliation on her, shame on his family, shame on her family. It was a messy scenario. Can you imagine like this is this is the, this whole narrative is about God's unfolding plan in the life of Joseph. Okay, we're talking about God's plan for Joseph here. This is the most pivotal event in human history and this is how it begins. I think we have some stuff to learn about God's plan in our life. So you imagine the place that he is in but it says Joseph in some translations said he was a righteous man. In the ESV, it says he is a just man. In other words, he was a keen follower of Judaism. He had a desire to please God. He would have been faithful. The Bible would not have said that he was a just and righteous man if he was not known as a just and righteous man. So he would have been faithful to the laws of Judaism. So people would have seen him as a godly person. So we see this moment in the midst of the unforeseen, in the midst of the upside down, Joseph's character really stands up. Joseph's character completely shines in this moment. It says that he didn't want to expose her. He didn't want to put her to shame. So he decided he would divorce her quietly. Again, Jewish law required a couple of witnesses. Now, if you chose the witnesses and told them what you were going to do, it was all going to be quiet. You go out into the countryside, get it all sorted. No one would have to know. She probably would still have a lot of shame because she was out of marriage and would have had a child but less shame than if she'd have committed adultery in a marriage. You get the idea. He wanted to be kind. You think in a moment like this, when life was upside down, Joseph could have seen this as his moment. God, I'm so angry at you. How could you let this happen to me? God, I thought you were good. God, I thought you were faithful. My my fiance, that the person I'm engaged to has has committed an adultery. She's pregnant. It's not mine. God, and, and you know what I mean? Like let his character crush Mary. But what does he do? He stands tall. He doesn't act rashly. He doesn't use this as an excuse to kick off or freak out or begin to act out in that sense. And the crazy thing is, he doesn't even know that God is at work yet. This is Joseph's character. He says he was a just and righteous man and he wanted to do it quietly so that she would be okay. You see Joseph's upright, kind, Jesus-like character at this stage. And he didn't even know what God was doing. Every single one of us will experience unforeseen circumstances. We will find ourselves, maybe not in those specific circumstances, but we will find ourselves in circumstances where we just feel like, oh, I did not see that coming. And how many of us use those opportunities to 
freak out and kick back against God and begin to, oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do what I feel like doing in this moment. I'm going to take things into my own hands now. Joseph just learned to trust God and still have an upright character in the middle of it. Often when God wants to use us, the first place he will take us is outside of our comfort zone. Can you trust God long enough? Like I said, this is the beginning of this unfolding plan, the beginning of it. The most important event in human history, this was the beginning. So when God works in our life, often we will find ourselves in unforeseen circumstances. My question, my challenge to you with the life of Joseph is can you still be who God has made you to be when things are upside down? Can you still be true to the, the character that God requires from us? Can you still love people? Can you still honor God? Can you still walk with God when things are upside down? Because it's so easy not to. But Joseph had an upright character. So he wanted to do it quietly. And then this next section unfolds. Let's look at verse 20 to 23. It says, But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. <laughs> I think this is really mean of God, personally. Joseph is sat there. He's got the worst news of his life. He's got to figure out this whole divorce thing. And it says he is sat there, the Bible says, as he considered these things. He is sat there, probably in his room, feeling down, feeling gutted about all that is going on, and he's processing. I mean, side note, is there not some wisdom in that? Think about this. Before Joseph acted, he sat and he pondered and he processed. Okay? Again, if this is part of God's unfolding plan for Joseph, it would have been so easy for Joseph to act on the emotion. Start making all the changes. Start getting everything, getting all the witnesses together, get the date in. We're going to do this. I want you out of my house. I want you out of my family's house. You get what I mean? The sort of emotional response, which in a sense, you'd probably be like, eh, sort of justified. You could understand why he would have done that. But he sat and he processed. If God takes us out of our comfort zone, if you believe that God has got a plan for your life, which I do, and often God will take you out of your comfort zone, if he's given you something to do, and you're like, it hasn't happened yet, you find yourself outside those comfort zones, I want to encourage you to not act out of your emotions. And instead, sit and process and ask the Holy Spirit, what could you be doing in this moment? What is it you want to say? What is it you want to do? And don't cut this opportunity off because things look differently than you expected. He sat there, and think about this. God hasn't even spoken to him yet. So I mean, I think this is really mean of God. God hasn't said a word to him. God is like waiting for Joseph to sit and process this stuff, the worst news of his life, and God doesn't say anything until he's finished processing. While Joseph was sat processing, oh, my life is over, what am I gonna do? God's waiting. I'll just let him sit in this for a little bit longer. God does that sometimes. Let him sit in it for a little bit longer. Can he trust me? Okay, he does. Boom. Angel appears. Ah, behold, I am an angel. Speaks to Joseph in a dream and begins to tell him what's going to happen. We're going to look at this in a second. But I want to encourage you with this. Just because God seems silent does not mean that you're in the wrong place. Okay, because how often do we feel like God has called us to do something, all of a sudden we can't hear his voice anymore? 
and we suddenly think, am I in the wrong place? Did I mishear him in the first place? Did When God said he had a plan for my life and now I can't hear him, does that mean I'm in... Well, see, Joseph, this is, again, I'm going to keep saying this. This was the most pivotal experience that humanity ever, ever, ever went through. The coming of God as a human being. And this is the unfolding events. God was silent for Joseph and let him stew in his own ponderings and processings. But where was Joseph? Right in the place he needed to be. Right in the will of God. He just didn't know it yet. Can I encourage you? Far too many times in our life we get cold feet, we get a little bit jittery because we can't hear God's voice and we begin to do everything possible to get ourselves out of where we are. But may I suggest to you that sometimes you are right where God needs you. Just because God is silent does not mean that you're in the wrong place. More often than not, when you're in the right place is when God is at his most quiet. Just an encouragement for you. Okay, so an angel appears. He meets him in a dream and he says this to him, Joseph, son of David. Okay, so Joseph was part of the line of David. For those of you who know your Bible, that's a very, very significant line. Okay, that King David all the way through. And we learn something in this when it says Joseph, son of David. It's, It's really important for Joseph to have heard that because we as readers and readers at the time would have understood that when the angel said this, now we understand something. Remember I said the context of this passage, it sets up the identity of Jesus. Son of David, all of the prophecies of the Old Testament said that a root would spring up from David's line. Okay, that the Messiah would come from the line of David. So they were all knowing that some kingly figure was going to come from the line of King David. Joseph was in that line. And this is how we know that Jesus was going to be part of that same line was when the angel says to him, Jesus, uh, Joseph, son of David. This is really significant. But another side note for us. I love this, that when the angel speaks to Joseph, he calls him by his name. But not just his name, he reminds him who he is. He reminds him what family he's part of. Often when God is working with you and I, he will remind you who you are He will tell you who you are before he will tell you what to do. Because why? The plan that God has for our life is the person that he is shaping you into. And then it is flowing from that place is the thing that we do. The first thing the angel does is remind him who you are. And in that one sentence, Joseph would have known this whole lineage of what God was doing throughout his family. It's like this moment. It's like a marker. It's like background music in a film. You know, in Jaws, when you hear the, 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 dun, 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 you know there's a shark coming. In the Bible, the Bible uses these little themes, these little things to remind us, just to let us know that something's coming. When someone's announced as their title, it's really significant. The angel announces Joseph's name. We know something significant is about to happen here. He's reminded that the line of David It's who Joseph is part of. And God is not finished with that line. When God is working with us, he will often remind us who we are before he tells us what to do. So the angel reassures Joseph, hey, do not worry. Don't fear to take Mary as your wife. What she has said is true. The child within her was conceived of the Holy Spirit, not of anyone else. Do not worry. Now again, 
This is really significant in the Bible. This is like some doctrine for you and I to understand here. If there was a male involved in that sense, without going too deep into it, the fall of humanity was rested on the shoulders of Adam. You can read that in Paul's letters when he says that the humanity fell off the sin of Adam. If there was a man involved or a human involved in this side of the conception, they would also be corrupted and sinful. But Jesus could not be sinful. So conceived of the Holy Spirit, he was able to be sinless. This is part of the the doctrine, the fundamental doctrines of the Christian church, that God sent Jesus to be fully God and fully man, not 50% human, 50% God, 100% God and 100% human. What the angel is telling Joseph here is really, really important. And again, to you and I as readers, hear the Jaws music. This is us understanding something significant about this angel visit. Something significant is happening about in the story of Joseph here. Something like line of David, conceived by the Holy Spirit. I kind of see where the angel's going with this. It reminds him who he is. And he says, don't fear. It is conceived as the Holy, uh, with the Holy Spirit. And the angel says this, you shall call him Jesus and he will save people from their sins. Jesus, uh, is the, the Hebrew term for Jesus is Yeshua, which was the name Joshua. Now, the Jews at the time would have known the character of Joshua. They would have, it would have revered him very highly. Now, Joshua, if we read the story of Joshua, if you know it, Joshua saved his people from local oppressors. And the expectations of the Jews was that when the Messiah came, it would be the second Joshua. So the Jews were expecting the Messiah to be someone who would do what? Save them from their local oppressors. Now, context of the time, the Romans. Joseph would have been someone who would have known that the Messiah was going to come. He was going to be a king. He's going to rule the Jews and he is going to defeat the Romans. We're going to be able to live in the Holy Land and everything will be restored as it was in the time of Moses. A little bit of a history lesson for us. That's what they were expecting. So when the angel says, you shall call him Jesus, Joseph is like, yes, I know what's coming. He's going to save us from our oppressors. What does the angel say? He will save his people from their sins. Hold up for Yeshua for a second here. Joseph would have been like, from their what? But only God can do that. He will save their people from their sins. Oh, click moment for Joseph. This is who the prophets were talking about. This was the fulfillment of God's plan. Not someone to just deliver them from their local enemies, but someone that would deliver their soul. Someone that would allow them the, the route back into relationship with God. An opportunity for salvation. This is what the angel is saying to Joseph. He will save them from their sins. And also notice here that Joseph didn't get much short-term reassurance. He didn't say, look, everything's going to be okay. You're going to do this. You're going to do this. Next step will be this. And then everything will be fine. Instead, God drafts Joseph Joseph, Joseph, into his much larger plan for humanity. He didn't tell him anything about the next steps. You imagine Joseph like, what's going to happen? Where are we going to go? We've got all the social stuff to figure out. What are we going to do? Angel, please tell me. Angel's like floating away like, bye, Joseph. See you later. And he tells him, this is going to be significant for all of humanity that have been before and that will come. Joseph's like, amazing, but what about next? 
by Joseph. See, I mean, he didn't give him any short-term reassurance, but he drafted him into the heart of God, God's heart for humanity. Unfortunately for you and I, when God wants to unfold his plan that he has for our lives, he will rarely give you a step-by-step plan on how to do it. But more so, he will expose his heart to you. He will show you his heart for humanity. He will show you through his eyes the way he sees your family, sees your community, sees your workplace, sees your life. And he will show you his much larger heart for humanity. And guess what? You just have to trust it. Because if he gave you the step-by-step plan, guess what you're going to trust? The plan. But when God shows you his heart, guess what you trust? Him. Joseph did not get any short-term plans. He got God's heart. And you and I, when God is working with us in our life, he will show you his heart for humanity before he will give you an A, B, C, D, step-by-step plan. God birthed a plan so profound in the midst of Joseph and it couldn't have been further from what he expected. Couldn't have been further from it. I wonder in our lives how many times we have missed what God is doing because it was so far outside of our expectations. Joseph was expecting the second Joshua to free the Jews from their oppressors and when the angel comes and says, no, it's far bigger than that. Joseph could have been like, oh, I don't want that, which unfortunately has been the case over the last however many years. That's been the big contention in the Jewish faith. Those who have accepted the coming of Jesus and those who haven't. See, this whole story of the unfolding of God's plan in Joseph's life could not have looked further from what he expected. In mine and yours life, I wonder how many times that we have stepped outside of what God wanted for us. Stepped aside from the calling that he placed on us. I want you to do this. Well, that's not what I expected that to look like. Mustn't be God. Because surely God will do what my human brain will expect of the infinite, all-powerful God. Yeah, okay, God, I'll give you a perspective back. I'll trust your heart. I want to encourage you, just because things don't look how you expect them, aren't unfolding like you're expecting them to, do not sacrifice, being in the will of God, in the position that God wants you in, just because it's difficult. Mary and Joseph had a really, really difficult journey, but they stayed faithful the whole time. I think that's beautiful that God will show us his heart. He won't just show us a plan. He will show us how, because he wants relationship with us. I'm going to invite the team back up and I'm going to come in to finish here. I want to end with verse 24 and 25. I think the story of Joseph is actually really inspiring. I feel inspired reading it and understanding that God wants to work through us even when life is upside down. And it is in those times where we get to draw closer to him and see his heart. Okay, so verse 24, 25 says this. When Joseph woke up from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son and called his name Jesus. Again, I love the character of Joseph. He hears, he trusts, and he obeys. He hears the word of God, he trusts the heart of God, and he obeys the voice of God. 
That's the story of Joseph. He woke up from his sleep. Before the sleep, going to divorce Mary, pondering this thing, worst news of my life, goes to sleep. Angel meets him and he wakes up and does exactly what the angel tells him to do. That is obedience in action. That is faith in action from Joseph. Do you think he was free from worry? Free from doubt? Free from fear? I would say Joseph was a human. And he was terrified. Okay? In my unprofessional opinion. I bet Joseph was completely like, okay, God, like if, <laughs> if okay, we'll, I'll trust you. And he did it afraid. And he did it with some doubts, I'm sure. Did it with some worries. Some, is this going to turn out? Think about this. I want you to understand here what, what Joseph sacrificed. He sacrificed his reputation. One of two things, his reputation would have changed. Either people would have thought that they would have slept together before marriage, brought shame on their family. So if he'd have gone through with the marriage, he's going to sacrifice his reputation. If he doesn't go through with the marriage, everyone's going to know that his supposed fiance has been sleeping around, shame, humiliation, all of that sort of stuff. He has given up his reputation as a God-fearing Jew because he's going against the Deuteronomic law. Okay, this is a really big sacrifice for, for Joseph in this area. Then the humiliation of everyone in the community thinking, ah, this young girl has hoodwinked Joseph into this marriage. Everyone knows it wasn't Joseph and all the chatter and all the, again, shame, humiliation. He would have given up his career that had been passed down from generation to generation. He was a carpenter. That wasn't something people just decided to do. It had like a family lineage to it. He would have given up economic security, his house, his community, his family. This was no small feat for Joseph. He gave up everything. Heard, trusted, obeyed. That's the story of Joseph. Heard the voice of God, trusted the heart of God, obeyed the commands of God. He gave up everything. Joseph trusted God with his future in the face of not even potentially bad circumstances, really, really bad circumstances. No money, no house, no career, no community, no standing in the faith anymore. What are we going to do? He just trusted and trusted. Joseph's obedience placed him in the center of God's plan for his life. Joseph's obedience placed him in the center of God's will. And check this out. The same guidance that he learned to hear and trust and obey would later be the same voice that guided him to Egypt to save Jesus' life when he was two years old. You see what God's doing here? He builds this loop with Joseph. What did Joseph do? He heard, he trusted, he obeyed. When Jesus is born two years later, Herod's trying to kill all the two-year-olds. Joseph hears, he's visited. What does he do? He hears the voice of God. He trusts the heart of God and he obeys the commands of God. I want to say this to you. A move of God in your life will always cost you. Okay, that is no secret throughout scripture. A move of God will always cost you in your life. And the deposit is usually your comfort. Okay, it's usually your comfort zone. If you want to be in the will of God in your life, get comfortable with being uncomfortable. 
If you want to be in this move of God where this unfolding plan that He has for your life begins to walk out as He molds you into the person He's made you to be, you will be uncomfortable. But He will give you everything you need to be who He's made you to be, especially the strength to endure hardship. Okay, God does not free you from hardship all the time. More often than not, He will make you stronger in the middle of it so you can endure it. That verse, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, the all things that Paul is referring to are really hard things. He ultimately says this, I can get through good stuff, I can get through bad stuff because Christ strengthens me. Same for Joseph. God gave him everything he needed to be who God had made him to be. And it's the same for you and I. God will give you everything you need. In fact, right now you have everything you need for God to use to mold you into the person he is making you to be. I don't know about you, but if you want to be a person that can stand strong on the purposes of God for your life when things are upside down, learn to hear the voice of God, trust the heart of God, and obey the commands of God, just like Joseph. And even when things are at their darkest, you will be provided with the strength you need to carry on. With every head bowed.